So we're going to be reading today from the book of 2 Corinthians, first chapter, and I'll be reading the first 11 verses. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy our brother, to the church of God in Corinth, together with all his holy people throughout Achaia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we're comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so you also share in our comfort. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles that we experience in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happens that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope, that he will continue to deliver us, as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf, for the gracious favour granted us in answer to the prayers of many. And this is the word of God. Thank you, Tim, for reading, and thank you, John, for putting my mic on. I wasn't getting your name wrong there. Nothing worse than being confused with your dad, is there? Um, (laughs) Okay, let's pray, church. Father, as we come to your word this morning, we know that we're bringing a lot with us. Troubles hit all of us, and troubles come into our consciousness every single day. We pray, Father, that you would teach us to respond in a way that honours you. Amen. Here we are in the last day of August, almost that wonderful time of the year when the children go back to school. Um, Usually in August, we have quite an interesting phenomenon in the press, that the papers are full of nonsense, funny stories, silly, frivolous stuff. Um, Sadly, this August has been anything but light relief. Uh, The terrible situation in Iraq and Syria in particular, in the rest of the Middle East, in Eastern Europe, uh, has filled us with horror. The world is a very troubled place. You and I may not be hostages of uh, evil extremists, but you know, life can be hard anyway. Illness, relationship difficulties, stress, work, change, to mention but a few. So how should we be viewing our troubles? We're going to be going on a journey for the next few weeks, as Tim mentioned before, um, through 2 Corinthians. 
we read in Acts that Paul founded a church there, and after 18 months, he moved to Ephesus. But his relationship with them continued. He wrote them several letters, um, probably the second of which we understand to be 1 Corinthians, where he had to write to them about sexual immorality, about um, disunity and decisiveness, and about um, some dodgy teaching that was going on. And Paul did intend to return to Corinth, Um, but in the meantime, he uh, writes them another letter, and that's the letter we're going to be looking at at the moment, 2 Corinthians. Um, The situation in in Corinth was probably not unlike um, the situation in uh, in the West at the moment, that uh, the kind of leadership that was prized was about power, it was about status, Um, It was about impressive, strong, forceful personalities, and people like this seemed to be running the church in Corinth at the time, and things weren't going particularly well, and uh, the kind of leadership that was apparent there was clashing with Paul and uh, his attempts to uh, demonstrate a leadership that was based on the example of Jesus Christ, not one which looked like the world around them. And so over the next few weeks, we'll be looking at how the strength of weakness was demonstrated in Paul's life, in the church in Corinth, and how God might use our flaws and weaknesses to his glory. I'm excited about that because, quite frankly, flawed Christians and flawed leaders are all we actually have here at Baston Hill. So uh, let's look forward to what God is going to do in our lives over the next few weeks. But today, um, Paul starts as he means to go on, not with a polemic about how important he is or how much authority he has as an apostle or his credentials, but he starts by talking about trouble, his troubles, and how we might react to trouble in our own lives. Now, please hear me today. When you come to hear talks about um, how to view your troubles and coping during hard times and things like that, it sometimes seems like it's belittling what you're going through because it's like giving the impression that here's four easy ways that you can overcome your troubles and everything will be fine. Please hear me, I'm not saying that at all. We need to be clear-sighted about how difficult life can be. But what we are going to do is we're going to have a look at four things that might inform our response to our troubles. We're going to look at troubles increase community, troubles link us with Christ, troubles provide us with perspective, and troubles push us to pray. You might want to have the uh, Bible open in front of you at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, just so you can go through as we journey together. Troubles increase community. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Why has God allowed each of us to suffer in the ways we have or in the ways we are currently suffering? Your depression or your unemployment or your bereavement or your family troubles or your childlessness or whatever it's been that has been your struggle, perhaps it's been a very private struggle, why has God allowed that to happen? Well, Paul seems to be hinting this. It is to make you a comforter. It is to give you the experience of being comforted by others and by God. 
so that you can comfort others. Now, I've seen this happening at Christchurch. Every time I've been to visit one of our sick or housebound family, they always say to me, Hazel's just been in, is what I usually hear. Or Fred came round, you've just missed him. Or just yesterday, John read this passage with me. That makes me really proud, church, because in comforting others, you don't need a badge. You don't need a certificate from the bishop. You don't need permission from Tim. Isn't that right, Tim? You do not need permission. (laughs) Okay? You are heirs. You are not slaves. Now, I want you to hear me here because slaves, right, need a command for everything. They need direct permission to do everything. Okay? You are not slaves. You are heirs. You are inheritors of Christ. If his grace is with you as a child of his, then you have the right and the authority to go and comfort others in his name, okay? It's what um, Rick Warren calls the Yorick principle. And if you know there's anybody who needs comforting, then you're it. If you want a cup of coffee this morning, you're it, (laughs) okay? But (laughs) if there's someone you need, you know needs comforting, you can do it. You see, that's why you've been through hard times so that you can comfort others. You have permission. Just do it. I just want to stop here and ask you a question, actually. Who has been there for you during hard times, when you've been really struggling, when you have needed comfort and support, when you have needed someone to be strong for you? Who has that person been? And I want you to just give thanks now in a moment's silence to God for the people who have comforted us. If they're here, you might want to thank them afterwards. Okay, so first, troubles increase community. Secondly, troubles link us with Christ. Look at verse 5. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. We all share in Christ's sufferings and in Christ's comfort. We share particularly in Christ's comfort through the cross. His death for you has brought your deliverance. That brings enormous comfort. But there's also real comfort in the resurrection, which tells us that there is life beyond this fallen world, which tells us that there is hope beyond the awful things we see going on around us. It points us to a new life beyond this fallen world where there are no funerals, no hospitals, no broken relationships, no unfulfilled desires. And if we're trusting in Jesus, that's what we're heading for, that new heaven and that new earth. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, um, who was imprisoned and executed um, by the Nazis during the Second World War, wrote this while he was in prison. It is not suffering that crushes the human spirit, but suffering without hope. We have that certain and solid hope of a new life beyond death opened up for us and made known to us through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. One day, thank God, we'll be out of here. Because in many ways, the world's a very difficult place, but God was in Christ reconciling all things to himself and uh, committing to us the message of reconciliation. Church, we have hope. We don't have to suffer without hope. 
Thirdly, troubles give us perspective. Very powerful little insight into Paul's life in verse 8 and 9. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received a sentence of death. But this happened, that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. This is where the rubber hits the road for a lot of us, isn't it? Who are we going to rely on when hard times come, when we feel in despair, like Paul did? I'll be honest with you, I was writing uh, this talk today in the middle of the night when I couldn't sleep. Um, I was very tortured by something and it seemed insoluble. You know the way your perspective goes in the middle of the night? But you know, suffering and hard times are part of life, whether you follow Jesus or not. Illness, death, stress, relationship breakdown, these things affect us all. And Paul's saying that things got so bad for him that he had no choice other than to trust God. He was helpless to do anything else. God in his kindness as our heavenly father engineers our lives so that we will at times need to admit that we rely on him. I think I've told you this story before about when our family were going to move to Shropshire. Now, I wasn't very pleased about that. I was quite happy in Newcastle. Um, and uh, I didn't want to move because it would involve um, moving the children's schools, finding places for four children in school. And also, my mum was getting very frail, and I didn't quite know what to do about leaving her. And I was walking to the shops one day, and I was kind of indulging myself in chewing over all of my worries, you know the way you do, and uh, my heart rate was getting faster, and I was getting more stressed, and God almost audibly um, seemed to cut through and say to me, are you going to trust me? And that really kind of brought me back, you know, because that was the proper kind of response to my troubles. Why wasn't I trusting God? So that's normal human troubles, but there is a particular problem of troubles which come as a result of following Jesus, and Paul talks about these. Um, Paul suffered horribly for the Lord Jesus. He, by the time he'd written 2 Corinthians, he had been stoned and left for dead. He had been imprisoned several times. He had undergone punishment beatings, and the, uh, a Jewish mob had uh, a, a contract out for his life. Similarly today, our brothers and sisters in Christ in Iraq and Syria are suffering horribly for following Jesus. Families have been forced to convert to Islam and have been uh, killed. Um, Canon Andrew White, I don't know if anybody gets his updates, he regularly shares very accurate accounts of what he is seeing in Iraq, a very reliable source um, for us to understand what's going on there. It is just horrific persecution, inhumane treatment of fellow human beings. And we feel hopeless, don't we, in knowing how to respond to that. Which brings us to our final point. Troubles push us to pray. I would say one of the key signs that we are relying on God's power and not on our own resources is that we pray and that we ask for prayer. Look at what Paul says in verse 10. God has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us. 
on him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Feeling helpless about Iraq, about your sick neighbor, about your struggling colleague, then pray. Our prayers ensure that God will deliver. On Tuesday morning, we had a very powerful prayer time. Uh, I would encourage you, if you're around on Tuesday morning, to come and join us, actually, quarter past nine till quarter to ten. Um, we had a very special time of prayer. Obviously, praying for our persecuted family in views of this passage um, was very poignant. Um, and I think God very much blessed us as we brought our frustration and our helplessness and our anger to him. I very much trust that he will have brought some sort of deliverance in Iraq on the back of those prayers. James Foley, sadly, uh, in the news recently uh, following his brutal death, um, it, it wasn't the first time he'd been a hostage. He had been a hostage a few years ago in Libya, and uh, he was given permission to phone home during that time, and he spoke to his mother, and he he reported to his mum that he had felt the prayers of the people at home and he said that he was constantly praying for them. He prayed alongside um, a fellow hostage called Claire. Um, they were both Roman Catholic and they were very committed to prayer together. And amidst the trauma of his kidnapping, um, James Foley wrote this, if nothing else, prayer was the glue that enabled my freedom. And inner freedom first and later the miracle of being released during a war in which the regime had no real incentive to free us. It didn't make sense, but faith in God did. I wonder if you're struggling at the moment. I guess that when we hear stories like the Foley families, you think your struggles are minor in comparison. But you know what? It still hurts. Church, Let's be honest. Let's be vulnerable. Let's ask for prayer. And let's keep track of answers and share those answers with others, just like Paul did. So next time, for example, in home group, when you're about to pass in prayer time, ask yourself this question. If I don't need prayer, then who am I relying on? Who am I kidding that I don't need prayer right now? So in conclusion, how do we view our troubles? We see them as a means of building community. They're a means of participating in the death and resurrection of Christ. They are a means of perspective and they push us to prayer. So let's pray right now. Later on in 2 Corinthians, Paul says this, We do not lose heart, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Heavenly Father, in our light and momentary troubles, even when they seem insoluble, even when they seem like they will never end, give us the perspective that can see that through the death and resurrection of Jesus, there's an eternal glory awaiting us. Give us the grace to pray. Give us the grace to comfort others. Help us in our prayers, in our troubles, to have a perspective that says that you are Lord, that you overrule, and that you are with us in our hard times. Amen.